You're listening to a podcast edition of Closer to Truth. For more information about this series, visit our website, closertotruth.com. Is our mental life a random accident, solely the product of an evolving physical brain? Or is there something deeply special about conscious awareness that may reveal a hidden reality? Even as brain science continues making enormous progress describing the mechanisms of thought, some philosophers and scientists believe that consciousness is profoundly fundamental. Our best clue to the meaning of existence. This question I've pursued my entire life. Yet still, I must make this journey. I'm Robert Lawrence Kuhn, and this is Closer to Truth. I start with David Chalmers, an Australian philosopher, because he challenges current belief that consciousness is based solely on brain biology. So what then does Dave think consciousness is? I've waited until he's come to California to find out. Dave, I've always had a hope that consciousness is more than just the emergence of some phenomena from my brain and neurons. You've taken the view that consciousness could be fundamental. Why do you do that? One thing we're finding is the science of consciousness and the sciences of the mind develop. There's just there's this gap between all of our theories of the brain and subjective experience and consciousness. No matter how sophisticated our theories get of how the neurons in the brain, how any physical processes interconnect, that still doesn't give us an explanation of consciousness. You could know all there is to know about the physical processes in the world and that still wouldn't tell you what it feels like to be me, to be you, to see red, to fall in love, and so on. There just seems to be a fundamental new entity here. So I've suggested we need new fundamental entities in our theories, consciousness, and new fundamental laws to explain it. So the first view that consciousness is fundamental but not ubiquitous, we might think of as the radical emergence view. Consciousness emerges from matter but only in the right configurations. There are laws, fundamental laws of nature, that say when you have the right configuration of matter, you get consciousness. So consciousness is separate, perhaps distinct and epiphenomenal, and the matter does its own thing. The second view is the one that philosophers call panpsychism. Consciousness is ubiquitous, but we still have a dualism because we have the matter and the, uh, and the consciousness separately. So two aspects, two fundamental aspects of reality, but joined at the bottom level. And this is inside the sun as well as inside our brains. On this view, it's absolutely everywhere. It's, uh, it's in our hands, it's in, it's in vegetables, it's in the soil. Tiny little bits of proto-consciousness, if you like, found everywhere. Okay. This leads to the third view, most radical of all, which says what's really fundamental here is the consciousness. 
the intrinsic nature of everything involves a little bit of consciousness. And the physical stuff isn't something separate. Rather, it's the way that consciousness manifests itself by its bits of interrelations. So you've got a particle, there's one bit of consciousness, another one's another bit of consciousness. Wire these up, hook these up in the right way. You get what we know as the physical world. So our view of physics is just all that consciousness viewed from the outside, if you like, from the third-person perspective. When we take the first-person perspective and, no and notice our own consciousness, that's that intrinsic consciousness viewed from the inside. Is there an artistic wish that you have as opposed to what your, your rational f faculties tell you? I'd say there's a rational way of thinking about this stuff, what you really judge to be true. There's also an aesthetic way of thinking about this stuff. There's what would be really beautiful if it was true. And this is the view I would like to be true. If I had to choose radical emergence, the conservative in me likes that one. Consciousness is rare, only comes up occasionally in brains. Conservative, not so aesthetically pleasing. The dualist panpsychist view with physics and consciousness. Okay, this is getting a bit more radical. We've got consciousness everywhere. Sounds kind of spooky, but at least physics gets to do its own thing. Yeah, the physicist might like this one. Um, the view where consciousness is at the ground of all being and physics comes from that. Now, this is really the most radical of all, and it seems like you're getting into an idea that, you know, a Buddhist or an Eastern mystic might like. But you know, if I really had to choose between them, you give me a couple of drinks, I'm going to go for the last one. Yeah, consciousness at the ground of all being. It's a beautiful picture of the world. To Dave, consciousness is fundamental. His strong belief is that consciousness is radically emergent, utterly novel, but appears in only isolated instances like in brains. His weak belief is that consciousness is literally everywhere. This is panpsychism. But consciousness differs from the physical so that reality is dualistic. Dave's speculative belief is that consciousness is the only reality and what we think is a physical world is really a manifestation of consciousness. I bet John Searle, a leading philosopher of mind, will have none of this consciousness as fundamental stuff. John's been at Berkeley since the 1960s. We meet in his nearby home. John, there are philosophers, modern philosophers today, who would say that consciousness is not only irreducible and not only not explained by the physical brain processes, but in fact is a fundamental building block of the universe. Why do some philosophers say that? I think it's because they are grossly mistaken. <laughs> um, if you think about it, let's suppose the universe has been in existence for 14 billion years. Now, how long has consciousness existed? A rather late arrival mm. on the evolutionary scene. So it doesn't seem that there's any empirical evidence to suppose that the universe requires consciousness in order to exist. If you think about it, it's an amazing fact that consciousness exists at all. There is a persistent mistake in the history of Western philosophy that really is a kind of thread that runs through it, and that is 
the confusion of epistemology with ontology. Epistemology means having to do with knowledge. It's the theory of knowledge. Ontology means having to do with existence. And the temptation has always been in our tradition, going back to the Greeks, to suppose that somehow or other, uh, ontology must depend on epistemology. If, if the, the object has to be uh, perceived in order that we can know about it, then it must be somehow or other that its very existence requires consciousness of it. But what's fascinating is by the end of the 20th century and today that there are a number of philosophers who are coming up who are now going back, if not to that, to that whole scheme, yeah. at least to saying that consciousness is a fundamental part of the universe. So it, yeah. it, 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 it is, it, it, as science has progressed, it, it has moved that whole argument back, but suddenly it's reemerged. Well, I don't know what grounds, rational grounds it could reemerge. That's such a bad argument that I'm ashamed to repeat it. But there is a, a variant on that, which goes back to quantum mechanics, always a dangerous and mysterious subject. And that says, well, maybe in order to make sense of the quantum phenomenon, we have to suppose that consciousness is one of the building blocks of the universe. Again, I think that's a confused argument. Which, n nicely or, or, or maliciously, uh, 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 is consistent with some of these ancient religious yeah. teachings that, that presuppose consciousness. There's something in the human being that, 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 that needs this? Well, I think it is clear that our natural way of explaining things in the world is anthropomorphically. Our natural urge, which we've overcome, uh, is to seek some explanation in terms of mental phenomena. But the, the, the arguments, that, uh, if it's an argument, is simply the universe seems much more meaningful to us if we suppose that it's got some consciousness built into it. If there's some element of meaning that's part of the structure of the universe, uh, that's, uh, that really is a bad argument. And another argument is, well, we only can make sense of things existing if they're knowable. And the only way they could be knowable would be through consciousness. So once again, consciousness emerges as a basic <laughs> uh, building block of the universe. And, and both of them are fallacious. Those are very bad arguments. John is crushingly clear. Consciousness is produced by biological brains, which evolved through ordinary means. And to try to impart deep meaning to consciousness is to succumb to natural urges that are archaic and anthropomorphic and probably superstitious. But others claim that consciousness is fundamental and they use new kinds of arguments that go beyond the philosophical. Consider the paranormal, ESP, or the religious wisdom traditions, or the controversial claim that in some unknown way, consciousness extends beyond the brain. Marilyn Schlitz is a leading investigator of the paranormal. We meet at the Institute of Noetic Sciences in San Francisco. Marilyn, even if we grant that consciousness is real, is it derivative from the brain or an emergent property of the brain or something else, something that's fundamental, something that is irreducible in any way whatsoever? 
For me, consciousness is a nested set of relationships. So you can think about the consciousness of the body to self-correct. And, and you don't have to be aware of your heart beating or you know, the various parts of your physiology functioning, cells dividing, for it to optimize in its performance. right? And then you can think about the consciousness of our awareness as it relates to the body and the ways in which our stress reactions influence bodily changes or the way in which our happiness can accelerate a kind of resiliency in terms of our immune system. But that's a purely physical process. No, there's no physical. dispute about that at all. Exactly. Then we can take it to the broader level of thinking about the cultural dimensions. So my consciousness is not only my subjectivity, but it's our intersubjective uh, engagement but with all one of another. that is represented in the brain in some way. Well, I think that when you start talking about the cultural dimensions, it's it's represented here in the in-between place. So it's through our language, through our symbols, through our actions. You can also see that there are electromagnetic ways in which we become a system that engages and that that's part of a consciousness sphere. I also then think about the consciousness of nature. You take a walk through the rainforest and you look at the ways in which life manifests in every nook and cranny. And to me, that's a manifestation of consciousness, consciousness revealing the teleological nature of life expressing itself. Teleology meaning trying to, there's an end result the that goal, it's moving it's towards. moving toward a manifestation of life in its complexity. And then you can think about this, this broader realm of consciousness as our relationship to the divine or something larger than ourself, that kind of meta world in which we're embedded. And we again see that there are examples of, of the ways in which we appear to be interconnected and that our consciousness isn't simply carried around in my brain or your brain, but that we connect through our interpersonal realms and we interconnect through this kind of spiritual um, entanglement, as it were. And so when I think about consciousness, I think about it as a totality. I think about it as the integral connection between the different parts, our subjective inner awareness, our physicality and the objective ways in which science brings to bear, our cultural dimensions, and ultimately then this kind of metaphysical realm that interconnects us. And when I think about something like God, is God consciousness, is consciousness God, uh, to me God is the totality of it. So ultimately, is it something that is, you know, metaphysical? Is it something that's physical? Uh, I think that the jury's still out. <laughs> Marilyn's consciousness is a nested set of relationships. Consciousness writ large, expressed by the body, enveloping others, engaging the environment. But is this hard reality or just graceful metaphor? I'll follow this thread, see where it leads. I visit V. V. Raman, a Hindu physicist who bridges science and the humanities. V. V., you are a quantum physicist, you come from a Hindu background. I come to you from both perspectives to get a sense of what consciousness may be. The fundamental difference between the religious and scientific perspective is that in religion, consciousness is primary. From the scientific perspective, it is merely a glitch in the history of the cosmos, something that happened, a, a kind of emergence from this very complex thing we call the brain. For billions of years, this universe existed all by itself 
with no consciousness in it, as science would have us uh, accept. But as a result of consciousness, so many things have been added to the universe. It is not that uh, consciousness uh, simply is a phenomenon like the emergence of a star or a planet or an asteroid. When we think of uh, the beauty of the universe, the splendor of the universe, all the color and, and uh, charisma, as it were, that we discover in the universe are because of consciousness. The complex brain, no doubt, is what enables us to discover the splendor of the sunset or uh, the beauty in the butterfly and so on. But, but what about the ideas of truth and beauty and even the apprehension of the laws of nature, these have come about, as it were, as a result of consciousness. But scientists would say, who are materialists, that this is just the emergent properties of the brain and it's nothing fundamental. The question is not whether it is fundamental, but whether it adds to the universe. It is like saying that a piece of paper and uh, a poem written on it. The poem is not fundamental, one might say, because the paper was there and there's just some ink which flowed. But as a result of the, what was written, we discover something that was not there before, namely a meaning in the words. So it seems to me that without belittling the scientific worldview that consciousness arose as a result of complex biochemistry, the fact remains that consciousness had, has added new dimensions to the universe. From the Hindu perspective, consciousness, such as you and I experience, is a reflection of something much grander. Consciousness from the Hindu perspective is the result of entities in the universe that in the course of their evolution became aware of their cosmic connection. You know, there is a very important uh, aphorism in the Hindu tradition which says, thou art that. That means you are the totality. Now this recognition simply makes us aware that just as modern astrophysics has revealed that our physical bodies are from atoms which were synthesized in the core of supernovas and therefore we are stardust, that statement is valid for our physical bodies. And from the Hindu perspective, it is equally a fact that our consciousness is cosmic dust. I will admit at the same time that the visions or the, the metaphors in my own tradition are very beautiful on the one hand, but I'm not sure that they offer an explanation either. They offer very interesting and insightful theories about the nature of consciousness. So I leave this as a, one of the grand mysteries which uh, maybe someday future generations will solve but not yet for me. To Vivi, both science and religion contribute to consciousness. 
But as for a complete explanation, not yet. If consciousness is fundamental, might it relate to cosmology, the origins and ends of the universe? I go see Andrei Linde, a Russian cosmologist now at Stanford who sees multiple universes of unfathomable immensity. Andre does quantum cosmology and speaks of consciousness. What could that mean? Well, as you understand, uh, consciousness is not exactly my profession, but uh, doing quantum cosmology requires us to think about this. Let me give you an example. In 67, the father of quantum cosmology, Bryce DeWitt, have written famous paper. Uh, he asked uh, the question, so let's write equations, Schrodinger equation for the wave function of the universe. So quantum mechanics is supposed to be universally applicable. So let's apply it to the universe, so to everything. So the wave function of the universe, which is supposed to describe everything and all changes and us talking and everybody recording, this wave function does not depend on time which means when our discussion is over, nothing changes and it is not recorded. How could it be? Uh, yeah, it doesn't so, make sense. Yeah, so he suggested a resolution of this problem. And the resolution was, we never ask questions about the wave function of the whole universe. We ask the question about the wave function of the rest of the universe. We are observing it and here is the rest of the universe, okay? So then, in a certain sense, the rest of the universe is alive only because I am alive. This sounds extremely paradoxical, but that's what we have right now. We trust these equations, we just need some interpretation. I must observe it. So it just cannot cut me observing it out of the equation. And my observations is my consciousness. Without me recording it, all the rest of the universe will be dead. Well, then, of course, it is kind of strange, right? Because it presumes that consciousness may have some independent importance. Or maybe not, I do not know. But the thing is that if I want to study quantum cosmology, I want to have an answer to these questions. I want to consider these paradoxical situations honestly up to the end of it and whatever answer comes i will need to accept it and this means that i must at least think about things like possible importance of consciousness for cosmology the obvious question one asks is that human beings or any sentient creatures were only around for pick your number of hundred thousand years million years but the universe seems to have been around a lot longer than that yeah, that is true. It seems to be around much longer than <laughs> as that. As if it were as around. As if it were around. And this brings me to interpretation of quantum mechanics in general. Uh, usually, uh, uh, at least people belonging to a standard old Copenhagen school, they will tell that, um, well, everything becomes real at the moment when it is observed. You reduce the wave function of the universe and put it into a certain state after you observe the universe. Um, before you make an observation, 
there is no such thing as a real existence of anything there. But once you make an observation, everything looks as if it existed all the time before it happens. When you observe that the galaxy is there somewhere in the sky, everything looks as if the galaxy was there even before I start observing it. And honestly, this is the only thing that we can say. So this conjecture about importance of consciousness, I included it into my book on inflation and particle physics, which I written in 1990. And my editor, she didn't like it at all. And she told me that I should uh, remove it from the book because if it is there, uh, well, I will lose respect of all of my friends. And I replied that if I remove it from there, then I will lose my own self-respect, which is much more important for me. So it is still in the book. The inner experience of what it feels like to be me seems so radically different from the mindless particles and forces which compose my brain. Some philosophers say that consciousness is so far outside the bounds of the physical world that it must be a fundamental component of reality. Other philosophers say that these are very bad arguments. And furthermore, science is showing how the brain, all by itself, generates the mind. What about cosmologists? What, ultimately, I ask them, drives their staggering theories of cosmic origins and multiple universes? What comes before the beginning? Causes the beginning. What is the ground floor of existence? Consciousness, some whisper, is closer to truth. To watch complete conversations with over 100 of the world's leading thinkers on cosmos, consciousness, and meaning, visit our website, closertotruth.com.